Welcome back. This week, we are going to focus on a, a topic that is related to some of the things that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, but is also different than things that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. Right. This, this last, uh, we're, we're entering the last quarter of the year. And, um, you know, we, we talked last week about how challenging that can be with all the holidays coming up and with, with everything that's going on in society right now that makes all of this all the more complicated, um, right. all the more stressful and challenging. Um, but one of the things that comes up a lot of the times during, during holidays is, you know, we think about family, we think about uh, the past, we reminisce um, about things that we've gone through before and, and you know, loved ones and, and family members that we've lost. And so today we're gonna to talk a little bit about grief. We're gonna talk about, you know, the, the way in which we think about grief and the loss of loved ones and the loss of, you know, things that we, we once held dear in the past um, that we no longer have access to. Right. Yeah, this, uh, we're, we're in the, as we've said a couple of times, we're in the final quarter, the fourth quarter of, um, of, tw of this very unusual year. Right. Um, I was thinking the other day that when our children talk to their children, Right. They're going to be talking about how bizarre yeah. it was when I was in fifth grade. Oh, when I was a senior or college student saying, well, I was doing great. And then along came my senior year and everything changed because of the, because of the virus, because of the pandemic. Yeah. So we will, they, they will talk about this forever. Um, very unusual year. In addition to that, uh, you're right. This is the time of the year when we have, we celebrate a number of important holidays. And during that time, you know, we're getting up to Thanksgiving. And so you, it, it reminds you, it brings back memories of people you've lost, uh, either through um, death or uh, divorce or um, people have moved away or you've, you have moved on. And so it's a time to, um, that, that most of us um, um, sort of relive that loss right. okay, during these holiday times. You know, boy, I, I, wish, I wish grandma was here for, this, for Christmas. I wish she was here, grandpa was here for Thanksgiving. And so you, you, you relive your grief. Right. And, and typically, um, the other important part of this article is that we are going to introduce the idea that the concept of grief, the, the grief process has changed since um, since the 60s, right. and we typically, generally, when we think about grief, we think about the five steps that we're taught: denial and anger and all that. Well, that's all changed. So right. the reason we want to talk about this this morning is that whole concept of grief is um, has been questioned and um, is no longer a useful way of looking at grief. It's been replaced by some other things, and we have two articles this morning that sort of talk about the changes that have occurred in the grief process. Right. It, what, what's interesting is, is that as, as the author um, discussed, um, many of those changes started a long time ago. Long ago, right. You know, we, we held on to these you know, five reactions or five responses to grief that, that came about you know, decades ago. But, mm -hmm. um, but since then, things have changed, but we've you know, held on to those. I, I think it was you know, those, those five reactions to, to grief right. were something that was very easy for people to grab onto and understand right. because we've all experienced that. Mm -hmm. um, and so when some of these newer ideas came about, we, we weren't as uh, 
quick to grab onto those things because we just held on to those five um, reactions. Right, right. Um, yeah, in the article, the, the woman who wrote it, well, she actually wrote a book. Um, she has a whole book, and, and, and the title of the book is about after grief. It's a single word that she uses. Um, but we took a, a synopsis um, of her uh, five myths. Um, and so we've, we've sort of get, given an outline here. And, and one, of the th one of the other points she makes is that for a long time, um, we, we assumed that we were supposed to get over it. Okay, the idea was get over it and move on. And she said this struck her because she lost, uh, Hope Edelman is her name, and um, she lost her mother when she was 17 to cancer. And she, at, at the time, because this was back in the uh, 70s and 80s, um, she assumed that she was supposed to go through this five-step process right. and that she was supposed to get over it, get over this loss. And right. she said, I kept re-experiencing the loss. You know, I re-experienced it at five years and 10 years later and 20 years later. I'm still experiencing this loss. So she said, something, something has changed here. Okay? And this idea of letting go is tied to these five, um, this five-step process. And she said, that's all begun to change. And, um, and, but she was trying to internalize, go through the steps and get over it. But she said uh, she couldn't do it. And what it did is she kept feeling guilty and sort of, sort of some shame because right. she thought that she was supposed to get over it. And that wasn't the case at all. And she said instead, she came, so, so to, to explain this process, this new, this feeling that she was experiencing, she developed what she calls the five myths of grieving. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's a really important point because I think a lot of people experience that form of um, uh, guilt and shame as a result of, you know, continuing to grieve. And, and, and right. when we talk about experiencing grief, I think it's really important that we, we begin the discussion with the idea that we're not necessarily just talking about the death of a loved one or something like that. Um, we grieve over the loss of anything. And yes. so, you know, if you, if, if you, if a relationship ends, mm -hmm. uh, a relationship that was really important to you, if that relationship ends, you're going to experience grief. And it, it's, um, you know, we've talked about it before, but it, it's like the death of a relationship and, and you exactly. go through the same grief process. Right. Um, when you, sometimes when you leave a job that you love, mm -hmm. you're going to experience grief from that, um, or you're going to, you're going to grieve that loss. Um, when you graduate from high school, sometimes many students experience the same process when they're leaving high school and, and you know, moving away from friends and family. So we're not just talking about the, a death of a loved one or something like that when we're talking about um, the steps of grief. We're talking about um, any type of loss um, because it, we sometimes respond to any loss in the same way. Loss is loss. You know, it, does, it really doesn't matter how it occurs. It can be death. It can be moving. But loss is loss. And we, we go through a similar, um, we have similar reactions. The, the reactions to loss, regardless of the type of loss, the, the reactions to loss are the same. Right. And they don't follow this, five, this neat five-step uh, grief process. Right. Yeah. So myth one. So with, with the first myth, it's, it's interesting because you know, we have certainly heard people say this, you know, I never grieved the loss of my, you know, fill in the blank. 
Right. I, I never, I never grieved the loss of my grandfather. I never grieved the loss of my, you know, my, my spouse. Um, but what I love that she talks about here is that th there's not, there's not a particular model really when it comes to grieving. Um, we, we all do it differently. And so um, it's not that you haven't grieved the loss is that you maybe don't grieve, didn't grieve um, in the same way that somebody else might. Right. Or that you thought you were supposed to, right. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to do this, you know, and, but that's not what's happening and, and that's okay. Right. Well, and I, and I think it's fascinating because, you know, I talk with patients sometimes and they, they are, they are grieving through something, mm -hmm. but they're not sad. They're not depressed. And so they say, yeah. so they're, they're, it's confusing to them because they feel like I should be sad. Mm -hmm. I, how can I be happy? How can I enjoy this part of my life that's happening when I just had this massive loss? Right. Um, those two things can happen at the same time. You, you yeah. can enjoy your life while at the same time grieve the loss of, of a loved one or loss of a relationship or something like that. Right. Yep. And the other fascinating part of this is and something I never thought about before was that men and women grieve differently. Absolutely. Okay? Um, women prioritize emotional expression. They, they cry more easily. They, um, they express their emotions while men uh, restrain the emotions. I mean, it's a, it's a gender-based, a sex-based difference. Okay. Well, it's other, and that, and many times that is socially based, right? Exactly. It's much yeah, it's more cultural, socially social. acceptable for mm -hmm. women to cry and to show those emotions yeah. than it is for men. Unfortunately, you know. Yeah. You know, you see all those old movies, and the man always has a handkerchief, mm -hmm. you know, that he gives to the woman. The woman cries, and the man is strong, and you know, there's this, so there's these cultural. Mm -hmm. uh, stereotypes that we think about, but 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 we do um, we do grieve differently. Also, grief can be limited by other factors. You know, you uh, just because you know somebody has died, most companies give you three days for grief, right. um, three days off work, and then you have to go back. Okay, right. well you're probably not finished grieving, but that's going to limit your grieving if you have to go back to work. If you're a teacher, for example, and you have lost a loved one, you take a few days off you have to go back and teach and right. you don't, you don't have the luxury of expressing your uh, grief as you might like. If you have to take care of children, if you have young children in the house, very different because then you have to, as you have to remain strong for the children, it's not remaining strong. It's that it limits you. It limits your grieving because you have other things to do. Okay. Right. And, um, and in very, in many ways it's very adaptive because what that means is of course that you're still functional, you know, right. You're, you're, right. you're getting to work, which is great. You're taking care of right. your kids, which is great. So you're, you're, despite the fact that you're grieving, you're still right. functioning in a, in a healthy way. And that's right. so that, that's, that's very good. You know, we don't oftentimes allow that to uh, allow ourselves to be okay with that right. um, because we feel like we should be this right. or we should, should be that. Right. And, that's yeah, not they should. and so she thinks that she, she said that in a way, this is a good thing because grief is not a one, she calls it a one-time opportunity. You don't have to grieve that week or the week after. You have your life, you have the rest of your life to go through this very lengthy, if, if, if you want it to be, this very lengthy process. You know, you, just because you can't do it now doesn't mean you can't do it. Right. Okay? So myth one, you don't have to do it in a certain way and your grief process, your grief expression can be very, very different and still just as legitimate. Right.
-hmm. Myth two um, relates to this, but it's that it's the reality that, and, and, and even we have um, in our discussion so far today, we keep getting pulled back into this idea of steps and stages. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the myth too is that I'm stuck in the anger, denial, depression, or whatever stage of grief. And, and the reality is, is that um, they, they, they aren't stages. Even, even Karen Kubler-Ross, who, who wrote it, you know, said that grief doesn't occur in orderly stages. You don't go through this stage, then this stage, then this stage. Um, you may go through and, and get to acceptance without going through any of the other That's right. you know, re reactions. And that, that, Initially, I was trying to, to use the, the word reactions to grief. Um, right. You can react with anger. You can react with denial or depression or whatever. Um, but we always refer to them as stages or steps. And, and, and we, we need to move away from that because that's really a, a, a misconception that co causes a lot of people more grief. Yeah, uh, our, our whole concept of the grief process comes from what was created long. Part of it came from Freud which was, you know, 100 years ago. But even Karen Kubler-Ross, she's the person who developed this idea of five stages of grief. She wrote a book, and, but it was back in 1969. Right. Um, one of us was here then, but the other wasn't. Yeah. Um, she wrote a book called On Death and Die. But the sequence, those five steps, describes the grief process that, terminal, that she observed in cancer patients who were terminally ill. Right. And she said, cancer patients who were terminally ill, when she observed them in her work, she said, these are the steps they go through. They were never meant mm -hmm. to describe the grief process of the loss of a loved one. Right. They were meant for, and she never meant that. She even wrote, Karen Kubler-Ross herself wrote that, that grief does not occur in, an, in orderly stages. So, so even the person's work whom we use said, that's not how it works, but that's what stuck. That's what, that's what stayed with us. Mm -hmm. And so what Edelman is saying in this article is that grief really, if you think about grief, the way it actually occurs, it occurs in two stages. Right. One is the initial stage where you just really feel bad, regardless of the type of loss. It could right. be somebody moving away, divorce, death. Um, you, you have this initial feeling of feeling bad. But then eventually you go to step two, stage two, which is you start to feel better. Right. And she refers to stage two as after grief. It's a single word that she calls after grief. And um, it's it, what after grief is, and she, she defines it this way, it's the periods of calm adjustment punctuated by grief spikes. And right. that's really really closer to what happens is you you begin to feel yourself adjusting to the loss but every once in a while it pops back up right. and holiday time is one of those times when you have when you can have a grief spike okay right. because you 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 um you miss that person birthdays mm -hmm. um, holidays um vacation days um trips that you used to take as a family okay right. so it might come and go, like you say, you continue to have these reactions of anger and denial and disbelief and sadness, and they will appear and reappear. They'll disappear, appear, reappear. And it could go on for years and years and years and years and years. This, this after grief process can go on for years. Now, if it becomes incapacitating, then it's a problem. Okay. Otherwise, it's normal. 
Okay, this whole idea, for most of us, our sadness, it's painful, but it's bearable. It right. comes and goes, um, and it's often, but, but it's okay to feel that because it's a sign of persistent love. Right. You know, I really cared about this person, and I really miss this person. Whether she's living in a different state or she has passed, I really miss this person. That's a sign of persistent love. What Edelman argues is, why do we see it as a problem? Why, right. why in the world would you see that, those feelings as a problem? Right. And, and I think that that's the case with, again, with, with all kinds of loss, whether mm-hmm. even, even the loss of, a, of, a, um, of an important relationship. Right. You know, um, a lot of people in, you know, who ended a long-term relationship or, or something um, that was, uh, you know, really cherished by them, even years later, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they can reflect back and feel a loss, feel that um, sadness that it didn't work out or that it didn't, you know, that relationship couldn't last or that it, you know, it faded or, or whatever. And, um, you know, again, that's okay. There, there's nothing wrong with, with having those kinds of feelings. Um, you know, many of us can think back to, you know, those, our high school sweetheart or our quote unquote first love. And when you think about it, you, sure, you have that right? sense of loss, you have that mm-hmm. sense of, you know, depression or disbelief or sadness right. that just comes because of those memories. Um, right. I, I was looking in my yearbook the other day and, <laughs> you know, you start thinking about things. You know, Why in the world would you do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why would I do that? Right. Who knows? Oh my gosh. Who knows? Um, that's what, um, uh, quarantine is like self and isolation. That's, for that's, you. What, that's what, that's what self quarantine will do to you. <laughs> but, but, you know, you feel that and it's not, it's not like, you know, Oh, I want to go back and I want to do that again. It's not that, true. that's, true. you know, it, it stinks that it didn't work out. And, you know, in many ways, I'm glad that it didn't work out, but you know, it still kind of stinks that it didn't. Right. Thank God for unanswered prayers. Exactly. That's long. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, um, so myth three, I haven't let go yet. Okay. Right. And again, this dates back to Sigmund Freud. Right. Now we're talking about 1917. So these notions, right. these ideas that we have about grief, date back to 1917 and 1969. You know, let, let's. So what Freud? Freud wrote a little article called "Mourning and Melancholic Melancholia." Mm-hmm melancholia um and his idea was you get over the loved one you take it back and you take those feelings into yourself and then you give them to somebody else right so the idea was get over it re-internalize those and then give them to somebody else and um that's again not really how it works. That's, that's what we thought we were supposed to do, that we were supposed to somehow get over it. But, um, but that's not how the struggle works, okay? Rather than breaking bonds, rather than trying to put this person to get rid of this person altogether, um, now it's about continuing those bonds. Right. So we, we, we focus on the presence of the person in our life, even though the person is missing. We focus on the presence of the person rather than the absence of the person. Okay? Right. And she, that's a much healthier way to do it. And she said, what's important is keeping the loved one's memory alive in ways that are meaningful and helpful to you. Okay. Um, 
the loss of a parent can be catastrophic for many people, depending on your age and circumstances. But it can also be a memory that is meaningful to you, that serves you well. Okay? And that's what, that's what we should be doing now, is holding on to the, the presence of this person in our life in a healthy and helpful way. Right. Absolutely. Now, myth four is interesting. Um, yeah. I've certainly heard it from people, and mm -hmm. it's the myth that I'm afraid if I start crying, I won't be able to stop. Right. And, and it's, a, it's a fascinating idea because I think we've all felt that. Um, but as she reminds us, that, that can't and, and won't happen. Right. Um, remember that emotional states are transitory. So um, they, they're re reactive to what's happening you know, in your life at the moment. Um, emotional states are typically short-lived um, in, in response to something that's happening around you, which is very different than a mood. A, a mood is sort of that underlying persistent um, state that lasts you know, for days, if not weeks. Um, so crying is an emotional state and, and that, you know, that is temporary. It, it only lasts a few minutes. You know, I wish people, I, I'd like to underline that as I was going through this article and I found that I thought, you know, she, it's sort of their emotional states are transitory, but I would like to underline that or highlight it in some way because emotional states are transitory. Right. We did a talk long, uh, several, maybe a year or so ago about happiness. Right. Uh, happiness is, a, is an emotion. Okay, it's a feeling. Okay, and it will pass. You know, you're you're not happy. You're not meant to be happy long term. Your happiness is one of those emotions. Sadness is one of those emotions. Right. What do we do with panic attack? We say to people, it will pass. Yeah. The thing about a panic attack, it's not going to last. It, it's frightening. It's terrible. It's terrifying. But it's going to pass. It's one of those emotions. Um, also, did you? I didn't know this. The uh, men, when men cry, they cry for about three minutes. Did you know that? No. I did not know that. And when women cry, they cry for six minutes. So um, again, there's this difference in how men and women experience emotions. But, um, but, it's, but, but the emotions are going to pass. Even the frightening, terrifying emotions are going to pass. Right. So what, what we have to do is learn to regulate our emotions. Yes, you're going to cry. Um, you'll cry longer if you're a woman than if you're a man. Sometimes, Maybe. sometimes men cry longer than women and that's okay. There's no right way to do this. But typically this fear of um, not being able to control my emotions is something that we see in younger children mm -hmm. because they, they don't yet realize that they have the agency or the inner strength. They haven't, they don't have the maturity or the, the agency to realize that, no, we can, we can control our emotions, okay? And you don't have to do it alone. Right. Kids are thinking, when you're a child, you think, I, I, I have to do this by myself. You know? Many adults feel that way too, though. And adults feel that, will feel that way. You know, that here I am, I'm, nobody, nobody can help me. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Right. Um, I've been damaged, I've, this is to, that's not how you can get a grief companion. I mean, I said somebody something the other day. I said, well, if, if, if somebody came to you and said they needed to talk to you, would you? Oh, absolutely. Right. Well, they want to do the same thing for you. Okay? Right. There are many, so a grief companion, there are many, many, many grief companions out there. So just avail yourself of that. You're not going through this alone. Absolutely.
Okay. Now, myth five is, um, again, one that we've heard many times, and that is um, your mother or fill in the blank, the person that is lost, wouldn't want you to be sad. Um, and, and I like her perspective. I love her. Um, I love her perspective. This is more about other people's discomfort with you showing your emotion than it is about what the person that's gone would, would want or would think. Right. That's right. Um, it has nothing, you know, the person who has passed isn't, isn't judging you for being sad, isn't, um, isn't upset because you're angry that they're gone or anything like that. You know, th that has more to do with our own dis-ease with um, how, how things are, are happening or how we're feeling at any particular moment. Well, I just love this perspective because as a parent, I share her perspective on this. And she's, she says, um, I want my daughter to be, <laughs> I always have to laugh when I read this, right? I want my daughter to be sad when I die. Um, I don't want her to be incapacitated by my, by, by my death, but I hope I'm the kind of mother that she will miss. Right. Okay? And that's, I, we have children, that's what, how I think about my own children, is that, hey, when I'm gone 20, 50 years from now, um, Take a breath. That will set I heard that sharp inhale burning when I said that. will set some records, Methuselah. Okay. So when I'm gone, I, I hope that I have been the kind of parent that my, my, that my children will miss. Yeah. Okay? Um, I don't want them to be incapacitated. I don't want them to stop living. I want them to have, find joy and rejoice in the time that we had together. Right. But I don't... Uh, I, I yeah, I kind of want them to be a little bit sad. I would be very sad if I lost one of them. Right, and 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 so we need to stop the idea of pathologizing mm -hmm. that sadness, right. um, or that anger, or that disappointment, or or whatever yeah. it is that we want to call what whatever um, reaction it is that people mm -hmm. are experiencing. It, it's not a pathology. Right, so that's it's, right. It's a it's a um, again. I like the idea of it. it's it's sort of a honoring, a celebration of that person. Hey, that person was so important to me. I I really there's really there's still this space in my life that hasn't been filled because of their loss the loss of that person. And I think that that's important. Right. You know, I have we talk about loss. I have two um, uh, young men. And they've had similar experiences of ending a relationship, okay? But the, the relationships have ended. And one of, the, one of the young men has said, I just can't get over my girlfriend. I just, I'm, I'm just not ready to move on. And I just, I can't get over her. I'm not ready. Um, I don't want to have another relationship right now. Um, and it's going to take him out. The other young man, his relationship ended in almost identical circumstances, you know, mm -hmm. the, the woman ended it in both cases, but the second guy went on to another relationship immediately. Okay. Right. They're grieving it differently. Okay. Neither one is doing it the right way. Right. They have, they have each found their way to do it. Their circumstance, their, the relationships they had were obvious with these women, with these two different women were obviously very different. Mm -hmm. So the process they go through, the experience that they have with the breakup, is going to be very different for each one of them. Right. Neither neither guy is doing it right. They're doing it as they need to do it. Right. And and remember that your your reaction to those things are going to be 
you know, dependent on not just the nature of the relationship with the person who's gone, but also your experience with dealing with grief in the past as well. You know, if you've, if you've lost loved ones in the past, it's going to be easier. It, it, your, your adjustment to losing another loved one is going to be different than if you had never lost someone before. Exactly. Um, and so the, those differences are really important. And, and that sort of leads us into the second article, um, which is about, you know, is presented as four tasks related to grieving. Um, and this is another article from Psychology Today. Um, but it it's focuses on some, some real specific things that we need to um, work towards um, when we're grieving. Um, right it's it's again kind of avoiding that idea of we need to go through these different reactions or we, we have these different reactions but these are sort of the the tasks related to it and and some strategies perhaps for managing that grief right and again this article is consistent with the edelman article the edelman book um in that loss is loss doesn't matter doesn't, doesn't have to be death loss is loss and that the, the the grief process, if we can call it a pro, it is a process, um, right. isn't that you feel sad and then you don't feel sad. Right. That that idea that you you you're you're sad and then you feel better that you've 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 accepted the loss. And I said that's not really how this works, but rather the healthy the healthy grief process consists of these four tasks that right. that we should be doing. Okay. Right. And again, they're consistent with um, um, they're consistent with the the Edelman idea of first you feel this and then you feel this. Okay. Right. So the, the these are these are four things that we should do uh, during the grief process. And, and the first is to accept the reality of the loss. Right. Mm -hmm. We're not. It, I think that this is different than the acceptance that Kubler Ross talked about, um, because that's sort of this uh, you know sort of seen as this. I've come to terms with it and, you know, I'm, you know, we tend to see that as I'm not going to be upset about it anymore. Right. But really what we're talking about here is um, accepting the loss, the reality of the loss as, okay, this really happened. Right. Um, I can still be, I can still be sad about it. I can still be disappointed that it happened. I can still be really angry that it happened, but reality is reality. Um, and that person is no longer here. They're no, no longer part of my life. They've, they've, um, passed away or they've moved away or whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, we, we have to work towards accepting that. Right. Um, yeah, because if you don't, if you stay in this avoidance mode, you know, say, I just can't deal with this. It didn't happen. It's going to compound the pain. You're right. going to stay there too long. So right. the first thing is you have just, you have to get to acceptance. Right. right. Um, and whatever you need to do, whether it's to talk to people or um, you, you have to take whatever steps you need to take to get to acceptance. Right. Step one. I, yeah. And I like the, the, the term uh, or the sort of um, way that they described it. Acceptance is the surrendering to reality as it is. That's right. Right. It, so it's not, um, you know, if I had only known then what I know now, or if only this had happened, if only, okay, we're living in a if then type of world that, with that. Um, and it, it's fine to process that way sometimes, but there has to be this underlying, okay, this is reality. Reality is that it, it's over or they're, they've passed. And now 
I, I'm going through these next, this next right. part of the process. And part of the acceptance is accepting the pain that goes with it. Exactly. Let that pain, and I say to my patient, don't try to avoid the pain. Let the pain wash over you. It's going to anyway, okay? Right. And if you allow this to happen, it's part of the acceptance process. Right. You don't, you don't keep pushing it away and pushing it away and pushing it away. You can't do that forever. And right. so the, the, the work that you have to do at this stage is you have to allow this grief to overwhelm you. You have to allow yourself to get rid of it, to cry, to scream, to do whatever you have to do, but right. let that pain, let, go through the experience of the pain and get that, get that step over with. Exactly. And, and I think that that goes along with talking to other people about it. Um, it's, you know, the crying, it's the talking about things. Sometimes, you know, when, when you're really working to be there for somebody who's going through this, sometimes that means listening to the, to, to the same stories repeatedly, or it means, you know, um, holding them as they're crying repeatedly. Um, eventually that decreases and, and, it, and it diminishes over, over some time. But um, but you have to experience that. You can't, you can't continue to, to stifle it or to, you know, uh, bury it um, inside you because it's, it, those are important processes that you have to go through. You have to let that out. Right. And, and, and I like the, 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 the author says avoidance compounds your loss and your pain. Avoidance compounds our pain. So the more that we work to avoid coping with our pain or experiencing our pain, the more we're going to feel that pain. That's right. No, I would rather you get rid of all those, you know, go ahead and take that pain on to know how much you're dealing with. Right. And then find people or things you can do to process and manage that pain. It's okay to feel those emotions, but, right. you, but you have to, you have to feel them and understand them. And then you're going to be able to get rid of them. You're going to be able to process and get rid of them. Exactly. So otherwise you stay, you're stuck. Right, right. Now, the third task is adjusting to an environment with the quote unquote deceased missing. So with right. the person that's no longer in your life through whatever means, it, with that person missing. And so what that might mean is um, redecorating. It may mean changing the way your, your house looks. Mm -hmm. um, it, may, um, it may mean cleaning out that closet that has all of that person's belongings um, in it. And again, this is a process and you're going to experience pain as you, as you do that. And it's going to you know, bring back a lot of memories and a lot of thoughts and um, wishes and expectations mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. Right. So it's important to, again, as task two told us, to experience that pain. Um, but we have to make those adjustments. You know, it, how, Richard, how often have you talked to somebody and they seem to be doing so well, um, but then they were, you know, they pulled out a box from under the bed or something and opened it up and it was, you know, their, um, you know, their loved ones had some of their loved ones belongings that they had completely forgotten about. And all of a sudden here's this huge surge of emotion and grief that returns. Right. You know, the other, the other complicated thing here, and, and, and I'm not sure that I have an answer for it, but we all know. Uh, situations where, especially if a young, a young, uh, a, a child or a teenager dies, and they have a bedroom, right? And what do you do with the bedroom, right? Okay. So on the one hand, your new life no longer includes that person. So when you are when when you are tasked with changing 
to adjust to your new life, right. one of the things would be to use that bedroom for other purposes. Right. Okay. But if you think of the first article, everybody goes through the process differently. Mm-hmm. And so some people might be able to tackle that bedroom in a month right. or two months. Other people, it may take years to tackle that bedroom. Right. Okay. Again, there's no right way to do it. Mm-hmm. But if that bedroom remains a shrine right. for 10 years, right. then you're probably stuck. You know, that, that's income. If you're not moving forward, that might be a sign that you're stuck. Right. You're, and the, that the grief has, has somehow, is somehow impairing or incapacitating you. Right. When you feel, when you're incapacitated, then it might be time to seek professional assistance because right. you're not moving forward. Right. You, you can move forward in, in whatever way you want, but, um, but if, it, if, if you get to those points where you're stuck, then maybe it's time to seek help. Right. And that leads us right into task four, which is find an enduring connection with the deceased while embarking on a new life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you can hold on to some of those memories and some of those feelings and some of those um, experiences from the, from the past with that loved one. But you have to embark on that new, your, your new life. And it is a new life. You know, right. your, your life is and will be different than it was before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how many times have we talked about uh, our sort of natural instinct to resist change and and, you know i think that one of the biggest things that you know we're we're talking about today is that this is a change many times that's thrust upon us it's a change that we don't necessarily want but it's a change Mm -hmm. that we have to deal with and that is where a lot of the grief um, those grief experiences come from Um, and so we have to the faster that we can get to accepting the reality that we have to make a change and start to embark on that change. We don't have to forget that person. We don't have to exactly. put that in the past, mm-hmm. uh, per se. We can hold on to some of those um, connections, uh, right. emotional connections or memory connections, but we do have to you know, start on that new life, start in a new direction. You know, one of the ways you can do this, and I talked earlier about the, the two um, young men who are right. going through a loss, and and one of the ways to reframe it is they will say to you, well, I miss her. You know, I can't live without her. Mm-hmm. When this fourth um, task that, that we just talked about is hanging on to, holding on to the memory. Mm-hmm. What you hold on to is, I love the way she made me feel. I love the way she planned our day. I love the way she did this or she did that. If you think about the, the, the memories, you know, I, I, uh, this makes me, it makes me feel good when I think about her. That's right. holding on to the memory, right. but you're able to move on. But right. it is time to move on. You know, right. yes, you love these parts of her. Mm-hmm. You love the way she made you feel. You love thinking about the things that you used to do, mm-hmm. but she's no longer a part of your life. It's okay to hold on to the memories, yeah. but move on with your life. Absolutely. Right? The memory, and I say, I say that to, 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 to my patients all the time, is that, don't try to get rid of this person. Don't try to shove this person out of your life. Right. They're a part of your life. They have made, it's a footprint and, and, it, and, it's, and it's not in the sand. It's not going to go away. Let that ember burn inside you. Let that ember keep you warm. Let that memory do good things for you. It's okay. You don't have to get rid of it. You don't have to, you, you, you have to move on, but you can keep that memory. It's okay. 
And one of the things that I like to, to suggest is, is remember that, um, you know, despite the fact that the relationship may be over or the person may have mm -hmm. passed, um, forgetting them is, is sort of attempting to change who you are. You know, you, your life is yeah. thinking about those two fellows that, that are your patients, you know, they know what a good relationship is or they know what they like about a relationship because of those relationships. If they, if they just try to forget it, then they're going to forget what they like about a relationship. And so the next time they're in a relationship, they won't know or they won't have anything to compare to to say, this person does it different than that person or this person does it just like that person. And I really like that. And I really, um, you know, I miss that. So it's, um, you know, who we are is shaped by our experiences and by denying those experiences and trying to forget those experiences we're working to deny and forget part of who we are right. and, and that's not healthy right you know so if somebody comes to you if it, it, it can be a, a teenager for example teenagers go through many relationships and breakups it can be a friend it can be a family member uh, it can be somebody older and if they come to you and say you know, I just can't get over her. I, I, I just can't get over her. You know, because you're told, oh, forget about her. You know, forget about her and move on. No, don't forget about her. Keep, keep that warmth inside you right. and take that to your next relationship. Right. There's going to be one. I mean, I told my daughter the other day, she's 21, I said, no, this relationship probably, she, she's convinced that she's in love. And I said, this relationship probably isn't going to last. And she, what do you mean it's not going to last? And I said, well, how many boyfriends have you had in your life? And how many are still here? And, and she said, oh yeah, I guess you're right. You know, that said, so you're gonna have multiple relationships, but you're only gonna have a significant, like a marriage or a partnership with one of them. And yet you've been with 10, okay? So statistically, this one isn't gonna work. It might, but statistically it probably won't, but that's okay. Then you go on to the next relationship, but keep each one, keep the good parts of each one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things you would like to be able to tell, you know, just as as um, perhaps academic as this might sound, um, you know, if you if you start a new relationship and right. that person does something that you don't necessarily like, but you remember in a previous relationship that what that person did, you really did like, you could say, you know what, when you do it like that, I, I really, I don't like that all that much. However, if you did it like this, that would be, you know, I really like it when, when somebody talks to me like this or when somebody asks me like this. Right. Um, and then you can, then that's how you build a relationship through mutual, you know, building goals together and say, I want to be the best partner for you that I can be. So if you tell me what you like and what you don't like, then I can work to, to I, I can tell you if I can do that or not. And right. if I can't do it, then obviously this relationship may not work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's the same thing when, when we have other kinds of losses. Um, you know, if you, if you lose a job that you love, um, well, you know, when you go to look for your next job, you're going to know from your experience what you like and what you don't like in a job. And so you, you'll be able to make those judgments. So you don't want to forget and you don't want to dismiss all of that history. You want to use it as an educational opportunity and, you know, use it to make better decisions in the future. Right. Yeah. So sadness this, this whole idea of sadness, instead of feeling that it's pathological, like there's something wrong, no, use the sadness to, to use the sadness. There's a famous darkness is your candle, you know, um, b being in these very difficult places um, 
can refine and influence who we are. You know, right. so so don't don't try to get rid of all this stuff. Keep these memories and right. and, and let them improve you. Absolutely. So, so check out these articles. The, the links are in the show notes. Um, you know, we're, we, again, we're entering into a time of year where um, people experience a lot of these feelings, a lot of feelings of loss, a lot of feelings of grief. Um, so check out the articles. Um, there's a lot more information in them than what we specifically covered. But, um, you know, it, it could be very helpful for you as you're, you know, entering into the holidays and thinking about loved ones past and, um, and you're working through some of those emotions. So, yeah. And if you have any questions, certainly let us know. Right, right. And, it, and it, as you say, if, if, if the grief becomes incapacitated or incapacitating, give us a call, you know, reach out um, because you, you can, it's, it's easy enough to get you on to the, to the next task or to the next step right. and get you to what Edelman calls after grief. You know, that's the goal, let's get to after grief which is okay. That's a, that's a lot better than fighting this stuff. Absolutely. So, was, all right. Well, that is it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.